The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI, Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the great robot wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. Hi there, welcome to the Get the Funk Out show. Hope no one listening is in a funk this morning. And I have very special guest joining me in just a little bit, Tracy Newman. She's a TV writer and producer. She started as a staff writer on Cheers. In 1997, she won an Emmy and a Peabody Award for co-writing the groundbreaking coming out episode of Ellen Phenomenal. In 2001, she co-created the ABC comedy, According to Jim, I love that show, Tracy's been playing guitar and writing songs since she was 14, and her band is called Tracy Newman and the Reinforcements. Her first CD was A Place in the Sun, 2007, and her latest CD is I Just See You, 2012. For more details, you can visit TracyNewman.com, and it's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Tracy Newman. Hi, Tracy. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for calling in. Uh Uh-huh. You have a very interesting background. I was reading that you've been musical since you were about 14. Yeah, really, of course, before that. But I, I started to play guitar when I was 14. I had, That's great. I had aunts and uncles who played, and so I was just so impressed with that. That is great. Mm-hmm. Did you learn a lot from them, or did you take lessons? Um, I, I did take uh, one guitar lesson, and um, I'm, I'm not really good at following directions or, you know... I. So I, it took me about a year to understand what that one lesson gave me, and, and it really was a basis for a lot of stuff I did. But, uh, but I couldn't do it right away. And um, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I, I always had trouble when, you know, like physical directions. Yeah. I, I had mean. trouble with it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you're also a writer. Now, when did, when did you realize this is something you want to do professionally? Um, well, you know, I don't know if, you have, if it's in the bio, but I, I was in the Groundlings. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, the improv group, the Groundlings, I was one of the founding members, as was my sister, Fantastic. Lorraine. And uh, that was in 1972. And uh, I was there for 15 years, and really it was like going to a, a really long college <laughs> going to college for a really long time fun college yeah because uh what you do there is besides improv is uh they do sketches or we were doing sketches but you know you do a sketch and then you work on it you rewrite it mm-hmm. and you were constantly honing these pieces and making them better really and better funny and so i i learned to rewrite that's great and, and that's what uh, television is and so um 
you know, um, that's where I learned how to um, write for TV, really. Well, what's interesting, and I've taken some acting classes, and I'm a member of SAG and AFTRA, is mm-hmm. that when you put yourself in the role of actor, you do become a better writer because you figure out the funny. Yeah. You know? Well, all those, those uh, every, every aspect of uh, writing or performing or directing or it just makes you better at the other stuff. It's true. I just know that after writing for a while, I, could, I, I was a better person when I went to audition. Oh, interesting. I, mean, I was better at it. Because I, I, I started understanding as a writer, producer in television what, what, we really, what they really wanted, which was to make their job easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of, instead of being focused, you know, and how scared you are or you're... Right. You feel like, uh, what, what do they want? What right. do they want? Well, they really just want their job to be easier. That's right. They just want you to be the person. They want you to be the one because then they can go back to lunch. Yeah, you want to solve their problem. Yeah. That's right. Tell me what it was like. So you and Lorraine actually started at the Groundlings at the same time. Yeah. And um, I'm older than Lorraine. I'm like nine years older than she is. And so what happened was... uh, she had just gotten back from when I when the Groundlings class there was just a, it was really just a class it wasn't the Groundlings mm-hmm. at the beginning when it started uh, I just was blown away by what was happening there I mean you know I had seen improv but I'd, I'd certainly never done it and I was just so it was so exciting and Lorraine was in Paris she had been studying at Marcel Marceau's uh, school Hannah mm-hmm. Mime you know okay. um, Mime yes. And when she came back, I dragged her to this class, and uh, I didn't. I knew Lorraine was funny because I grew up with she. You know, she. I was like taking care of her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, when she was little, but but I didn't really realize how funny until I saw her in that environment doing That's, improv. That is great. That is yeah. great. And where did where did this go from there? After you, you know, went to the Groundlings. Um, well, I was there for 15 years, and then I, I decided, I, I don't know, you know, it's like some, some strange time in there, but, but mm-hmm. around 1989, I got married, and I, and I had uh, a child, my daughter Charlotte, mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly realized that my time was cut way down. Sure. The time I had for <laughs> dabbling in all these things that I was doing. So I had to focus on what I could make money at. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, uh, you know, I, along with this uh, guy that I knew from the Groundlings, a guy named John Stark, we started uh, writing spec scripts for television. Oh, nice. And uh, our first job was Cheers. Oh, my gosh. I know. It was <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty exciting day, as you can imagine, getting a call from uh, oh, I can't imagine. executive producers of Cheers. Mm. Now, did you tell me how you got, you know, into that show and how long you were involved in that show? We were only there for, it was the 10th season of Cheers. Mm-hmm. And so we were only there, we were hired by the executive producers who were, that oh whole gosh. year that we worked on Cheers, they were creating the show called Bob for Bob Newhart. Oh, yes, yes. Which was a, um, where he was a cartoonist. Yes. And um, at the end of, of uh, the 10th season of Cheers, they they took some of the writers with them to work on Bob, so they took us with them. All right. So our second year of TV writing, we were on a show that actually didn't, didn't really succeed. I think it stayed on, though, for maybe two seasons or a season and a half. 
So we really, I mean, going, again, going to school, you know, going to Cheers was like, working on Cheers was like going to school, going to college. Incredible. What a show that was. Oh, and of course it was the 10th season. So it was the way it ran. It was like, you know, we were in at 10 and out at six, you know, it was a regular job. That's unheard of, isn't it? Unheard of. And yeah. so when, when my partner and I created According to Jim in 2001, that's how we ran it. And I love we were, that show. We, we tried to uh, treat it like everybody on staff had families, which, which they didn't, but we did. Sure. So we, we tried to be out of there uh, at a decent time every day. And that didn't always happen, but you know, most of the time it did. That's incredible to have those kind of hours in Hollywood. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, when you see how it's, when you are on a show like Cheers, mm-hmm. of course, again, the 10th season is like, you know, they, they had worked out all their whatever. Yeah. You know, Plot lines. At that and, point. Sure. But, but, you know, when you see it happening and that's, that's how you're learning it, uh, you kind of expect that. And then, of course, we went on to work on shows where we would get home at four in the morning. <laughs> and, and then you, you sort of see why that happens, too. Right. You know how sometimes it's it's the executive producers who who don't know how to run a show and sometimes it's <laughs> the actors who make it difficult. Right. You know, uh or sometimes it's it's um it's just the network that'll, you know, they'll just won't want they'll change their mind about the story. I mean, mm-hmm. all sorts of things can happen. Gosh, getting home at 4 in the morning, I can't even imagine. Well, yeah, and then getting up and having to be back there again at 10. Mm. When you have a kid, it's very tough. Oh, I can't even imagine. How old were your, was your child at that point when you were pulling those I, when hours? When I started television, she was six. Oh. And what if, you know, she's sick I'm in the sorry, middle of the you night? Know, I made it sound like I had her in, eight, in 1989. I'm just realizing I didn't. That's okay. I wasn't calculating. <laughs> I in, in 1982. I was still at the Groundlings. Oh, all right. Her. All right. I don't know what made me think. I think it's because... The 1989 sticks out because it was the year my mother passed away, and oh. and that that date that that year is burned into my brain. Sure, sure. As, you know, of such course. a uh, pivotal time. Of course. Do you think being spending that time with the Groundlings helped you? First of all, as a person, I mean, the theme of the show is get the funk out. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Tracy Newman. What would you? Hi, <laughs> hi everybody. Would you say that? Um, having that creative side to you helped you deal with funks? Um, what I would say about, uh, yeah, obviously having a creative side does help you deal with it. It probably also puts you into it. Yeah, that's true. But um, working, uh, working on, in television was the first time I really had what, what I would call a nine-to-five job, an office to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, writing songs or whatever it was, I was kind of my own boss. And <clears throat> or you know, if I worked in nightclubs and stuff like that, and I mean, you can make a living in that, you know. And I was, uh, I was at times making a living as a singer-songwriter. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, really, if <laughs> it's it's like it's the empty page. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, getting the the so-called funk out. If you stare at that empty page and you and you push yourself a little bit, yes. even if even if you have nothing to say, mm-hmm. how uh, true you you move past it. Right, you can move past it. Very also, true. Also, uh, to me, the most important way of getting the funk out is to take a walk. 
That's good advice. Yeah, Very I mean, that's, simple. That's probably the best advice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, all the years that I was writing, I'd get stuck, and I just would just get up and just go outside, take mm-hmm. a walk. No, it's so true. I, I have some of my best thoughts and solve problems when I just get outside and take a walk. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how I solve problems. Yesterday, I did something so different. You know how windy it was yesterday? Um, did I go outside yesterday? You didn't go outside? It was a beautiful day. I think day. I did. I think I took a walk in the morning. I don't remember it being so windy in the morning, was well, it? Well, here in Orange County, it was really windy. Hmm. And I was saying, you know, I, I feel like flying a kite. <laughs> so I haven't done that in years. Oh, my God. You went and flew a kite? I flew a kite. And Where first, did you get the kite? Well, here's the thing. We had this old kite. It was some kite of my daughter's, and it was like, you know... I want to say a high school musical or some funny Jonas Brothers, whatever, kite. It was so beat up. This thing was breaking. And finally, the rod that holds it together uh, in the shape of a triangle broke. So I had to attach another rod. And my daughter was never seen me in this mode of, you know, hey, let's go fly a kite. And so finally, I said, you know, we got to go back home and find another one. This thing is lame. It's not working. And I found the most amazing kite my husband had bought. And it it had like four tunnels in it and it had these long tails and it was colorful and we we went to a park and we tried to fly it and then we found out that if we stepped right outside our front door it was the best wind i don't know why but the way the current was it was so amazing and it just picked this thing up and talk about fun mm-hmm. an hour and a half being outside running around just looking up at the blue sky flying a kite like you're a kid again wow you're making me think of Mary Poppins. Okay. What a rush. <laughs> Didn't she have a song of Go Fly a Kite in there? Yes. <laughs> I think that was the title of I, it. I think it was. And you're totally making me think of that melody now. But we forget how to be, you know, childlike. Completely. I, I can't even imagine flying a kite, and yet uh, I'm, I know it would uh, ter- certainly work at getting, you know, getting yourself past any kind of negative thoughts. Oh, it was great. Thoughts. It was great. And my, my daughter had so much homework. I'm like, let's just get out of the house. And, it, it, you know, it definitely finding that one thing, whether it's a walk or doing something you haven't done in years, I don't remember the last time I did that, definitely, you know, lifts your spirits up for sure. You, one, know, you know, as a songwriter, um, once you're into a song and you really have it going and you're, you're just looking for the better way to say things, my favorite thing is to be, if I'm working on a phrase, is, is to just get up from the desk and go, or wherever I'm writing, and go uh, take a walk, walk around the block. Oh. And almost invariably by the time I get back, I have that one, at least that one line. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been an amazing uh, tool. That's great. So your experience, your groundlings, and then writing, and then... Okay, now the big one, The Ellen Show, the coming out episode. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, well, you know, we, I, I don't know if you remember that time. I mean, I do. Uh, it was 1996, and um, for some reason, uh, before we did it, which was the whole season, people, you know, we were trying not to let it leak that we were mm-hmm. going to do it, but you can't, you can't keep something like that in. Uh, Sure. Forever. I mean, somebody on the staff, when nobody really knows who it was, was leaking things to the press. And Ugh. so we, we had bomb threats. And oh, my we gosh. Had, kidding me. Uh, groups, you know, uh, claiming that they were going to um, boycott Disney because it was a Disney ABC show. 
Ridiculous. And what? Ridiculous. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, it read, it was sort of scary. We had, um, she had a stalker, and I'm, I'm sort of uh, small with short blonde hair, so the stalker kind of, uh, you know, <sighs> focused on me a little bit, too. <laughs> and I, I, it was, uh, the, it was a very scary time. And, you know, here I have a child, a girl, who's mm-hmm. in, uh, going, at the time going to Marlboro School, which is, uh, here in Hancock Park, and it's it's a wonderful school. But you know, I was an all girls school, and I thought, oh God, I wonder if she's going to get a lot of flack about this. Ugh. You know, uh, thinking I, uh, you know, uh, thinking wrongly that anybody would even know who I was. You know, that because right. uh, the writers, nobody knows who they are. But you know, I just, I just was so. I was very. We were all nervous for various reasons. Of course, of course, and. Um, my daughter came with me to the taping of the episode that my partner and I wrote. We wrote the, we wrote the first half hour, which ends with her announcing that she's gay over the PA at the airport. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a that. magical night. The actual night of it was, was very, very spectacular. I mean, first of all, a star-studded audience like Cher was there, and uh-huh. Katie Lang was in the episode. And, oh, yes. Um, Oh my God! The, the Demi, uh, Demi or Demi Demi Moore was yes. in the episode, and Gina Gershon, Billy Bob Thornton, Thornton. It was huge, and uh, Oprah, of course, and um, yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> the security was unbelievable. Oh. I've never been, I have never personally been, uh, you know, involved in anything that had security like that. Unbelievable. And uh, but it was. There was like, I mean, when she said she was gay over the PA and that thing, (laughs) they had to stop tape. I mean, the audience was completely went berserk and she was crying and, you know, it was such a moving. Groundbreaking. 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 It really was groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. And we were, my partner is funny. I mean, if you were interviewing him, he would say this too. He did not want to write that episode. Really? No. He felt like uh, we would be under a microscope. And we would it would ruin our careers because they felt like uh, the reviewers would would attack the episode not so much because of what it was doing but that, like they would attack the writing, Ugh. you know. And and I said to them, you know, they're letting us get out of work for three months to write one half hour show. Do you think, with all our experience, that we can't <laughs> write something that at least we think is funny? Right. You know. Uh. And uh, and by the way, the, the the way television works, um, it's not just the the two names or one name or however many names are on the script. The whole room works on it. That's right. You know, so so you you know you, uh, the idea that we would not be able to write a great script for that was silly. Now tell me, what. What was the outcome of this? Because I know people went bonkers and, you know, it was amazing. But tell yeah, me what you think. it was amazing. I don't know that people really realized how brave Ellen was to do this because it certainly didn't help her career at the time. I mean, yes. n- other than it being probably one of the most watched shows, uh, which made her probably way more famous, it also labeled her in a way that was not... Uh, wasn't positive at the time. It wasn't always positive right. at the time, and um, 
you know, the next season, we didn't stay for the next season. She kind of cleaned house, uh, which, she, mm. she, you know, a lot of actors do that anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and we'd stayed on the show for four, four or five seasons, so it made sense for us to leave, but, um, you know, it was the kind of thing like, well, what's going to happen next season? It's going to be, yes. there's this big elephant in the room. How do you top what that? Do you do? Do you, is that what you focus on? Yeah. Right. Or do you um, just tr- just continue the show as as you've been doing? Yes. But but they chose to focus um, on her being gay and trying to have a relationship in a world that wouldn't let you walk around holding hands with the person you loved. Mm-hmm. So um, so she uh, I, I guess she lost a lot of audience, and I think she just took some time off after that. Yes. And of course, came back way much, way stronger was, than ever. I was going to say, look at her now. <laughs> she's she's probably one of the biggest stars in the world, and she's she's so funny. She is so real, so talented, and she um, basically opened up so many doors for other people to come out and say, "This is who I am." Oh yeah, I you mean, the, you know, the just the amount of just think of teenagers who are afraid to. That's right. That they're gay to their parents or whatever. It was like I had fifty or sixty phone calls that night from uh, people thanking me and crying on the phone oh. and stuff like that. And and I had, you know, it's funny, you, my, I won an Emmy and my name's on the script, but, um, I, again, as the way television works, mm-hmm. so many people contributed to that script. It's, it's, it was always weird to... Uh, it's always been weird to take credit for I a, see a television saying. script. Yes, because there are so many players involved. So many. Right. So many. Right. So tell me, once you worked on this episode, what happened next? Um, well, we we really are, you know, we already had a very successful career, but from then on we were writing our own ticket pretty mm-hmm. much. And we became executive producers on a show for, for Imagine. Uh, that's oh. called uh, Hiller and Diller mm-hmm. with Richard Lewis and Kevin Nealon. And the show didn't really succeed, but it was our first opportunity to um, be executive producers. Um, and so we kind of learned, again, going to college on somebody else's, uh, somebody else's creative endeavor. So mm-hmm. we didn't, the show didn't stay on, but we didn't get slammed <laughs> because we didn't create the show. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, then then we started, uh, we were had a development deal with Disney and ABC for a year or two, and we wrote about eight pilots, and then we got wow. we sold, um, according to Jim. Which is a great show. I love really, that show. I, I loved it, actually. I stayed, I only stayed two, or two and a half years, because I, then I decided I'm getting older, and I really want to have a music career, you mm-hmm. know, I want to write songs and sing, and I... I figured I'm already too old for that, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Good you for know? you. Good for you. And uh, so I quit the show. How did you manage to keep your music going while you were writing, or or didn't you? Did you have? To I go? did. I, I have. I, I used to get songs in the shows. Oh, nice. You know, when you're actually there, you know exactly what songs they need. That's true. So if your guitar is in your office, you just might be the person to write it. That's great. So you know, um, yeah, I, I had songs in. Um, in Ellen and in Hiller and Diller and I guess various other shows. Maybe that's all, though. Maybe one other show. And I love the, the songs you sent me. Um, one is about a carpooling. 
Yeah, I, I figured since you're a mom, you'd appreciate that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the other one was, was about weed, which is really funny, actually. About the weed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, car, the carpool one uh, really came, I, I only wrote that a couple of years ago, and I was driving my daughter's carpool more like 15 years ago. She's 30 now. Oh. But I wrote it not that long ago because I, the feeling of having a teenager stayed with me. It's, a, it's really a horrible time <laughs> for a mom. I it's can tough. be. It's not always, but oh, yeah. it's really. It is. It's I don't know what keeps us going. I mean, you know, you just you just say, "Well, I love her." I know. I don't. I'm not in touch with that love right now. I know. <laughs> but I know that ultimately she's going to love me back eventually again. That's true. And we'll have a relationship. But my God, I mean, you're not even an entity. What age did you notice that you started? Your daughter started acting like that. She was you? like 14. I mean, she oh. wasn't. Sometimes it's like at 12 it starts happening, but she was more like 14, 14 to something like 18. And then, oh my God, she's like one of my probably probably is my best friend. Oh. Now. Okay, well, you're scaring me. <laughs> my daughter's 13. <laughs> we have a great relationship, but I tell her, I said, I hope you're always going to feel this way. She's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, but it happens. I get hormonal and. How is she? How old is she? 13. Yeah. We have a great relationship. Yeah. Well, you know, do you live alone, the two of you? No, no, no. No, I'm married. You're and, married. And I have two girls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it doesn't always happen. Yeah. But also, though, if it doesn't happen with one of them, it's probably going to happen with the I other know. One. <laughs> it's so hard to imagine your, your younger one, you know. I know. Being horrible to you. But it's going to It happens. Happen. You know, they, I know that you get hormonal. Well, how and are you? How, how was I? Yeah, with your mom. Um, well, I didn't have a great relationship with my mom. I, and I was, um, well, it was a totally different story. I moved out when I was 16 and lived with my dad, mm. which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a much different relationship with my daughters than I did with my mom, mm-hmm. which is well, good. Well, I think we learn also, you know, yeah. we, we've, uh, my mom had such an, a terrible upbringing, and so she did the best she could with me. And just observing what she was doing, I tried to avoid them. But, you know, you yeah. end up doing a lot of the same things. Right, right. Kind of from a different angle or something. Yes. You yeah. know, and so um, it's, that's a very, uh, it's, it's the toughest job. Keeping a marriage going and uh, raising kids, that's it. It is. it is. It is. And I find that in order to keep myself out of a funk, um, I have to, somehow try to find time for myself even if it's minimal or if it's you know what I have to get out of here and go for a walk or I'm going to go to the gym or I'm I'm tired but I'm going to force myself to get up and go do something Mm -hmm. because it does help it does help well especially going to a gym oh my god Mm -hmm. if you can if you can do it yes nobody stays feeling the same after a half hour of working out right it's probably the, you know, but, but then walking, I guess, is a, is a very similar thing. But mm-hmm. there's something about really getting your muscles, uh, work, giving a, your muscles a workout right. that, that shifts you. Yes, you it know? does. It, it makes me a lot calmer and just changes the whole start of my day. So I actually forced myself this Saturday. I got up, went to the gym. I was there by 8.30. And just that little break and starting my day like that, Really makes well, you're a, a better difference. man than I to be at the gym at eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> I guess there was a time when I would do that. Well, I can't imagine it now. It's, I try but it's the best. You're right. Yes, yes. 
So we're going to be joined in a little bit by uh, Beth Wood, and you're performing together, Beth aren't you? Beth Fitchett Wood, yes. The She's brilliant cool. Beth Fitchett Wood. She's, uh, yeah, we're going to be at the Marine Tavern in Laguna um, Tuesday night. That's great. Tell me about how uh, the two of you connected. Hmm. I think uh, a, a singer named Ernest Troost uh, turned Beth on to me, or vice versa, turned me on to Beth. Uh, he had played her, it's a songwriter night that she runs every week, and he had played it, uh, but I hadn't. So I think Beth is always looking for new talent for that. That's great. That's you great. Know, I'm sure she'll talk about it. By, but by the way, my brother lives in Orange County. I love that my oh. brother might hear, might be listening oh, to this. Oh, good. Well, and I record this, so this will be up in my blog. Yeah, so. I'll, uh, it's like archives, right? Yes. Okay, yes. I'll, I'll send him to it. His name is Stephen. Hi, Steve Stephen. Newman. Steve Newman. Hi, Steve. <laughs> well, good. Well, let's take a short break. Uh, let's maybe we'll listen to your song "Carpool." Okay. And we come back. We'll be joined by Beth. Uh, is it Fichet or Beth? Uh, Fitchett Wood. Wood. Yes, yeah. and I've interviewed her before. Um, so hang tight. Okay. Oh, it's Fichet. Excuse me. I it just, is Fichet. It's I, Fichet. I always said Fitchett. Yes. All right. All right. Good. Hang tight. We'll be back in just a little bit. Okay. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. That was Tracy Newman. She'll join us again uh, after the break. And uh, hang tight. I hate this school. It's a 40-minute drive. Why couldn't she go to the school nearby? I'm starving. Why didn't I bring something to eat? Why did I wear shorts? I'm sticking to the seat. There's the volunteer security guard. She's gonna make all of us move on. That was Tracy Newman with Carpool. You're listening to Get the Funk Out, and I am joined by Beth Fichet Wood and Tracy Newman. Hi, Beth. Hi. <laughs> so why did I think it was Beth Fitchett Wood? Oh, because that's what it looks like on paper. I know, but you've never, nobody's ever corrected me. Uh, that's because I'm not uh, terribly militant about it. No. It's, there's, a, there's a very long story with regard to that. Well, Fichet is prettier. Yeah, well, it, I it guess is. it is. It is. <laughs> so welcome, ladies. I'm glad to have you both on the show. Thank you. And you have a gig coming up. Tell me about that. That's tomorrow. Let Beth tell you. It's her gig. Oh, her. Okay. <laughs> now okay um i i have a songwriter showcase in laguna beach at uh, the marine room and it's it from eight to eleven every tuesday night every single blessed tuesday night and tracy's going to be there tomorrow night and we just have so much fun beautiful. oh yeah beautiful it's really good that the, the uh, audience is just wonderful the sound is good you know it's, it's it's a remarkable situation because uh it's a drinking crowd and there's no food at all not even peanuts Whoa. And, well, there uh, is if you know who that. I'm there to uh, listen, except for the people in the back who play pool. Yep. All right. Nice. And um, is it sold out, or people can still get tickets? Oh, well, there aren't tickets. That's the other nice thing about it. It's, it's free. Oh, nice. And you don't even have to buy a drink. Unbelievable. Yeah. How unusual. <laughs> you, you absolutely <laughs> do not have to drink if you don't want to. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, we don't. Huh? Okay. We don't. Oh, Beth no, and never. I don't drink. Uh-huh, Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyway, that's there's it's that's kind of nice 
you know, option is. Sure it is. Actually, sometimes if it's early enough, the, the bartender, I shouldn't be telling tales about him, but he'll actually go over to the Starbucks and pick you up a tea if you want. Oh, that's nice. You know, he's <laughs> so nice. That's great. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Now, tell me the other two acts that are with us tomorrow night? Um, it's going to be Lon Milo Duquette, who I don't know. Oh, my Who's gosh, that? you're going to go crazy for this guy. He's just Tell me about him. Unbelievable. He's about uh, our age, maybe, or a little bit older than our age, and he's absolutely a brilliant writer. Oh, how great. Just brilliant. He's, he's a little bit on the j- um, more on the jazzy side oh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm as far as guitar-wise. He's just, it's just him and his guitar. Beautiful. And he's just wonderful. He's kind of like Mark Turnbull, except a little... Just a little bit darker. All right. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so Sounds excited good. about that. Yeah. Sounds good. It's really, you're really going to like him. That's he's great. Really, he's almost, uh, and Mark knows, has heard about him a lot, and he's kind of a, uh, kind of a cult figure, you know, mm-hmm. an underground, uh, the people who know about him are really knocked out. So anyway, there's Lon Milo Duquette, he's great, and then Jerry Silverstein, and he's uh, kind of a new guy around here. He has a lot to do with the Nashville writing scene or something. Okay, and if people want to find out about this event, it's on Facebook, right? Yeah, it's on Facebook. It's also on my website, which is thatfunnyname.com, and it's under Tuesdays. Thatfunnyname.com? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that's that's thatfunnyname.com. I know. <laughs> is, I don't know how to... Yeah. All right. Good. And we were talking offline. Um, I had mentioned to Tracy or asked her how, you know, what have you done to get out of a funk? I'm sure everybody's been in some kind of a funk. And I was saying, can you imagine your life without music, Beth? No. No. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, well, oftentimes music will send me into a funk because I'm just not anywhere near as good as I need to be. <laughs> I understand. I understand. You know how that is. Tracy I do. Diamond, do you? I do. You yeah. know, uh, but you're the only woman, maybe one of the only people I know that, that would dare to uh, attempt a Sean Cromwell song. So <laughs> I don't know how you could ever be in a funk if you can play like Sean Cromwell. Well, uh, I can't play like Sean Cromwell, but I sure can, you know, play some of the notes that he plays. You know, you play that, it's that bass, the way he handles the bass notes, and you do it. Yeah, I, I just love, I love his stuff. But, I mean, that's, some, that's one of the things that gets me out of a funk, is really getting into something hard. Mm-hmm. Because you have to concentrate so hard, and you can't think about anything else. That's right. You have to concentrate only on that thing, and it kind of combs all the little fuzzy hairs in your brain the right uh-huh. way. Let me ask you this, ladies. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> how, many, how many days a week would you say you can focus on your music? I mean, is it something you just have a designated day that you do this? Um, for me, it's every day, but, but right. I'm not getting much results lately. But, yeah, it's every day. <laughs> every day you're, you're playing and writing? I get up, go to my office, sit at the, my new desk that goes up and down. You know, I can stand at it or sit. Nice. Oh, great. Uh, I have my guitar right next to me. It's got a strap on it. If I'm sitting, I don't use the strap, you right. know. Uh-huh. And uh, I just sit and write at the computer and play the guitar. Um, you know, not as much as I would like to because I have other things I have to do at the computer, but um, that's what I do. Uh-huh. I want to know what Beth does. And what uh, do you do? I... I... I have a lot of stuff going on in my life, but there's there's always some music every day, and then sometimes 
I madly clear big swatches of time, like big four or five hours at a time, and wow. just go at it. And I that's my happiest, my happiest stuff. Now, how do you do that without being disturbed? Do you shut your phone, go to a place in your house, or what do you, what do, you do? Yeah, I just go to the uh, this uh, my room, mm-hmm. and um, it, you still get disturbed though. You've got a couple kids. I yeah, know. I got a couple kids, and a, you know, a husband, and a. And we, um, oh, the other thing I do to um, feel better is I do Taekwondo. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and that really makes me feel better. That's, how long have you been doing that? Uh, 20 years almost. Oh, that's great. That's Beth is in excellent shape. And, but that's, that's a kind of a fun thing, too. It's where you are so involved physically that you can't really think about all the, all the other stuff doesn't crowd in on you. And I think, yeah. you know, in, in a way, sometimes one gets funky because there's, you, you're trying to hold too many think, parts of your life in your hands at one time. That's right. And, uh, and, and you can't do that. That's right. And if you don't have those outlets, those creative outlets, right. you know, then it's... Then you just start spilling. I don't all know what you do without creative outlets. I feel like everybody has them, and even, I do too. You know, yeah. Even people you that you don't think of or who don't mm-hmm. think of themselves as creative, they have them, but they just don't look at it that way. Right, right. Right. Like gardening, or you know, there are people who do that, or they love to cook, or yes, yes, that's very creative. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. So, what's on? How often are you two collaborating and playing together? Is this the first time in a while? I do. I like to do uh, Marine Tavern about every three months. I think I yeah. Do. Um, mm-hmm. I, lately, I, I had some back trouble, so I, I couldn't make the drive very well. Uh, right, you were scheduled, but you couldn't do it. But right. that's you know. And so then we, I had back surgery, and we now really I'm miss you. Good to go. <laughs> oh, you had back surgery. Yeah, I, it was just a herniated disc. It's not a big surgery. Well, I had one too. Is, but yeah, you know. Uh, Boy, that can put you out of commission, though. You had a microdiscectomy? That's exactly what I had. That's because wow. I had one, too. Oh, did you? Yes. So aren't you amazed? Yes, yes. Because the pain was excruciating, so, cru- so critical before that. It was so... Debilitating. Yeah, so yeah. complete. Uh, and, you know, you're on drugs. Yes. Uh-huh. On drugs all the time. And uh, while that might be fun sometimes, it's not that much fun <laughs> when you have to be on them. <laughs> well, Tracy wrote a song about weed, so, you know. Yes, I yeah. did. Well, it's... I don't think you're championing the cause. No, 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 no. I'm not. No. Yeah. Don't, no. I mean, don't take drugs. No. Oh, gosh. You know, it's, but that's hard. Was it impinging upon the nerves inside of the disc? Yes. The, yeah. I, had, um, I was running, and I had sciatica, and I kept running, which was oh. stupid. It is stupid. And it caused <laughs> me to really, it was majorly stupid, because I was running because I wanted to be in shape and look good. It was a, a big lesson for me why this <laughs> happened. I know. And then uh, it herniated. And I started feeling this pain, like I couldn't sit on one side, and it herniated, and it was the worst burning, bubbling pain. And then I had to wait six weeks for surgery. Oh, my gosh. Did you get an epidural? uh, No. Because that that actually, one of the times I did that, it worked for about six months. It worked great. Uh. No, they wanted to do uh, cortisone shots. I was in Boston at the time, and I went to four doctors, and the last doctor I almost didn't go to because I couldn't really walk at that point. Oh, gosh. And I remember laying down in my uh, mother-in-law's car and then lying down in the waiting room, and the doctor, who I adore, he he was amazing, he operated on the Boston Celtics, and I walked in and he said, don't worry, it's not going to take long, you'll be out of pain, don't worry, don't worry, and, you know, I did it. I was so relieved that day. That's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. How long did it take you to recover? I was just going to ask you the same thing. It really is, I'm just starting back in physical therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm eating a banana. Sorry. <laughs> um, it took me, um, well, I was walking right away. Yes. You know that. So, yes. But I was scared. Of course. Of, of re-herniating. Of and course. so mm-hmm. I'd say six weeks because, you know, I just, uh, I didn't want to, dr- I didn't drive. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, d- I was so careful. You know, they say you can re-herniate by sneezing or coughing. I oh, I didn't so know that. I didn't know that. catching a cold, you know, or, or something oh. like that. I was, I kept away from people. Wow. Uh, I, um, I just was very careful about it, and I canceled all of my gigs during mm-hmm. that time. And, mm-hmm. and wow. then, you, you know, you also, you can't sit very much. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're either walking or lying down. I mean, right. it was one of the strangest times for me. Mm. It's very traumatic to be that injured. I remember thinking, what if the surgery goes wrong? And, oh, I know. That, you know it's very traumatic. You're, you're so scary. vulnerable. To... Yeah. How did that happen to you, by the way? How did this herniation? My herniated disc, you mean? Yes. I was putting on a pair of tight jeans. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, vanity. <laughs> oh, no. You're kidding. See, <laughs> in, both you, in both your girls' cases, it was vanity. Yeah. <laughs> There's a song. Yes. Yeah. I didn't think I was skinny enough, so I kept running and running through the pain. Oh, no. Yeah. It was a lesson. You know, we have these lessons in life. And, um, Um, you know, that's a big lesson the one that says, run for your health as opposed to your looks. Yes. 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 No, and it was, it happened before I had kids, too. So it was perfect timing because I, I don't think I could have gone through what I went through. Right. Can you imagine being pregnant and having sciatica? Oh, my gosh. No. No, Mm. not at all. Well, I I had scoliosis through both my pregnancies, you know, and my back was just bad, 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 bad. It's better now, but... Awful. Awful. Oh, God. So let's talk, because we only have a few minutes, well, about five minutes at least. Um, Any upcoming gigs you want to share about things going on with both of you? Um, um, what do you I, got, Beth? I have um, a thing with uh, Living Traditions. It's that, uh, it's that? that series in Anaheim at mm-hmm. the Anaheim Wonderful. Uh, Community Center. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be with Joel Raphael on oh. March 16th. Okay. And that's pretty neat. What's know, the date of it? Uh, the, the March 16th. It's a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It's in Anaheim. It's a wonderful series. Tell me about it, Living Traditions. Uh, Living Traditions. He, he just tries to get people, uh, Scary Trowbridge that runs this thing, and it's a, it's a folk-oriented thing. Tr- Tracy, have you done that? I've done it uh, twice, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty neat. He gets great people like Tracy. And nice. Joel Raphael, and he's a big, um, he's a big, very involved with the Woody Guthrie Woody Foundation, Guthrie. and he's put music to some of Woody Guthrie's um, lyrics and so forth. He's just wonderful. And so I'm going to open for him on that night. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And then, of course, there's the Tuesday, every single blessed Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And it's it's good, too. I'll be at uh, Kulak's Woodshed for the first time in two years. I love that place. On uh, March 9th, Uh uh, we're going to do the whole two hours because my band... I don't know what happened, but my band has grown. <laughs> Beth is going to see that Tuesday night. She's not going to believe it. We're going to manage to get on that stage, too, if it kills us. <laughs> That's a little stage of Kulak's. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, Kulak's is a, that, a bigger stage than Beth's. Well, but Kulak's it, doesn't have a stage per se. Does no, it? no, it's not. not really. I mean, you can spread out all over the place. It's on the, the floor. Right. But, 
uh, but there are there are actually things that we can do to um, you know to kind of spread the stage. Mm-hmm. Stage spread. Well, no, we've we've always managed to fit on there. Yeah, but you never had a keyboard. Yeah, that's yeah. true. We're gonna have a keyboard this time. Oh, yep. geez. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> do you, do you ladies well, I, know uh, Stacy Robin? Right. I know the name. Okay. Stace, Why do I know her name? Oh, she's incredible singer songwriter, and she puts on she's put on an event or two uh, before at Kulaks. Mm-hmm. Oh, neat. I went up there and. Um, saw that whole thing. I think I emceed an event. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. And they love how they broadcast it out to everybody. People in Brazil were watching. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I always... And it's so funny that you say Brazil because that's the name I always say, you know, to my, to my fans in Brazil. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the country I use all the time when I'm talking oh, funny. about Kulaks. Uh, by the way, Kulaks, uh, that's in um, North Hollywood. Yes. And then I have another gig in Venice on March 14th oh, yeah, talking with Dick. Uh, Anna Montgomery and uh, Fur Dixon, and it's called Single, Single Ladies oh. Songwriters oh. Circle, something okay. like that. Is that the Talking Stick? Talking, talking stick. stick. Yeah, yeah, I guess I didn't say that, did mm-hmm. I? The Talking Stick in Venice, yeah. That's a great venue, too. That's neat. I love that venue. I've been yeah. playing the Talking Stick for five years. Uh-huh. I mean, I played the old one, too. They, they moved. Oh yeah, I I just played I played there maybe four or five times or something like that. I love you it. You should I, I you should come play the stick with me. Cool. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll I could be you. I could be a single lady that night. <laughs> you could be a single lady that night. <laughs> I'll check into that. I'll see if we've got uh I'm not sure if that you know, you check into the definition thing. I know. Oh, that's true. What am you, I talking you about? You might not qualify. <laughs> no, you have to really be a single lady to oh, do that. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh well. Are are you? Let me ask you. Do you find um, you're meeting women that are, are becoming musical later in life? I, I think they am. If they're like me, they were already there. They mm-hmm. just went back to it. I, I don't. It's uh-huh. not that many. I do. I do meet women who are starting out uh-huh. uh, at, at later in life, but um, I think it's harder. You know. Yeah. Well, it it it's harder if your if your intention is to actually. Um, gig and and uh make something out of it but but f- just for having fun i'm meeting i'm getting quite a few students who are older you know and who have finally retired and they always wanted to play the guitar always wanted to play the piano or sing or something and they have more fun because they know right off the bat no this isn't going to i'm not going to make any money from this yes this is just for me because i love music yeah and they have so much fun that's great and there's no pressure there's no pressure Right. There's no pressure on it. And in, in a way, that's kind of the ideal thing for us as musicians, too. Imagine if your music had no pressure on it. I want to do that. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what a joy that would be. That's right. That's right. Because we put so much pressure and we're so self-conscious. Right. And, and we have intentions. We have goals for our music and all that. And sometimes that's a pain in the neck. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So true. Any last parting words, ladies, you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing Beth Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, nice. Uh, we've really missed you, Tracy. Oh, it's been too is long. Chad going to be there? Uh, yeah, probably. Who's Chad? Oh, Chad. I, I would imagine. Ch- oh, Chad McCann is going to be there. I would. I would bet. Yeah, he's a singer-songwriter who used to be in the Groundlings, so we we both know him in different times. Oh, yeah, nice. And he's a wonderful writer. He's very he's very, very funny. funny. You know, there's something that I know people are doing later in life is they're going and taking classes at the Groundlings. Exactly. Oh, yes. they really are. Yes. Oh my gosh, that'd be neat. Yes, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, 
It's a lot of fun. I think it's scary, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) To me, any kind of improv, even though I've taught it for years. Oh, my gosh, this is so scary. It's scary? Yeah, I mean, if you want to take a big risk in life without, without jumping out of a plane... Go to the groundlings. For me, singing oh is scary. I've never sung, really, because so, uh-huh. it's always been a confidence thing. To me, that's scarier. Oh, it's scary, Well, too. Well, for, for us, for us in the bank band, uh, mm-hmm. in the honk band, the, the big joke was always, okay, get up and do five minutes of comedy. <laughs> you know, like, because that's the oh. hardest thing in the whole wide yeah. world. Right. Stand-up comedy might be the hardest thing in the world. Yes. Oh, I think stand-up, I mean, like, sketch. World. Sketch comedy, you know, with uh, other actors, I think is a blast. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's fun. Maybe so, yeah. Yes, yes. All right, so you want to throw out your websites if people want more information about you? Mine's just uh, TracyNewman.com. Tracy is spelled like Dick Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, and Newman is like Paul Newman. <laughs> okay, great. And mine is Beth Fichet Wood, and this is a, this is a t- kind of a ticklish one. B-E-T-H-F-I-T-C-H-E-T wood.com, and that looks like Fitch at, Fitch at, that's why they call me Fitch it. Fitch it. Yeah, Fitch it wood.com. That's Fitch it wood. I'll have, to, I'll have to talk about the history of that to you, Tracy, this time. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, ladies. Thank you for Thank having you. us. I yeah. really enjoyed it. That really was a lot of fun. It. Good, good. Well, we'll uh, I'm going to look for the archive. Sounds good. I'll email you when it's up, and it'll be on getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Wonderful. Have hey, a great day. You. Okay, take okay. care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Beth. <laughs> Bye-bye. You were listening to Tracy Newman and Beth Fashay wood and I'm Janine. This has been the Get the Funk Out Show, and up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have a great Monday, everybody.